Good morning. Good morning. We are running a little bit late here. Got to get everybody quieted down and, and sitting down in your seats. Hopefully the praise team comes up before, before we get done with the announcements. Good thing I got a lot of announcements. So if you would, would you take out your worship bulletin? I've got three things that I need to mention that are not in your worship bulletin. So please make sure we are paying attention and, and listening. All right, so three things. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But let me go over this other stuff. Uh, we have the vans. We need van drivers. So if you are able and able to drive well, over 21, we'd love to have you as a van driver. You'll be driving kids, so you'll need to pass our safety screening. That means a background check. And also going through our sexual awareness training uh, for that. Also, too, if you can't drive well, all right, we need helpers to ride with. We don't want it to just be one person in the van alone. That's an opportunity for bad things to happen. So we'll have two people at all times in the van. If you'd want to help out and you can't drive, we'd love to have you for that. Um, also, too, we're looking for booster seats. The, the booster seat laws are, are intense, and, you know, uh, we need to make sure that we're, we're right in that respect and we're safe. So if you want to help out with that or if you want to give money towards the vans, uh, we'd, we'd really appreciate that as well. Notice uh, women's are meeting, I don't think it's August 5th, August 7th, is it Saturday? August 7th. So if you're a woman, uh, Janet Detweiler is taking everybody, or is it Jim, taking everybody out on the boat around Holiday Lakes. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can see Janet. And then the men's group is the men's creep. The men's group is going to be meeting also on Saturday at 8:30 uh, for a time of fellowship. Uh, let me remind you, today is sort of the last day to turn these in, the baby bottles. So hopefully you remembered and brought those back. If you didn't, you can still bring them back. But uh, also too, if you'd like to support Abigail's Pregnancy Center, which is an amazing ministry in our community that we are blessed to have. Would you consider putting some money in the offering plate and just labeling it Abigail Ministry? Maybe you didn't grab a bottle. Maybe you forgot your bottle. Maybe you didn't know about the bottle. If you want to support that ministry that helps young mothers, it doesn't just help young mothers. It helps elderly people who are raising kids today, right? How many grandparents are raising kids today? They help everybody in that respect. So uh, this is something that I support, and I would invite you to support as well. So uh, make sure you note that. And I think that is it for the stuff that's listed in there that I wanted to go over. All right, so three things. Um, one, what we, on August 4th, we are going to set up, it's a Wednesday night, we're going to set up in the downtown at 6 o'clock and serve the community meals. All right, so we're going to invite the community to come out. I don't know if we're going to do hot dogs, hamburgers. We're going to bring a grill out and just make some food for some people and just fellowship with them. I, I'm hoping somebody brings out some cornhole, cornhole boards and whatever else that we can think of to do there just to spend some time with people. We're going to ask if we can pray for people and see if there's anything that we can help them out. So we're going to serve the community. That's one of the big goals that I have for this church, and I want us to be out, not here out in the community doing that. So if you would mark your calendars August 4th, we're also going to have our normal um, Bible study group for the adults going on at the same time. 
during that time. So you'll have your choice of what you want to do. If you want to come out, you're welcome to come out. If you want to stay with that Bible study, we can stay with that Bible study. I need to talk to you, Jim, about that and see your thoughts. But um, that's our plan, and that's what we're going to be doing. So mark your calendars, August 4th. That's not this Wednesday. That's next Wednesday, 6 to 7.30. Number two, if you're on the Sunday school board, who's on Sunday school board? Next Sunday after the service, we're going to be meeting to talk about curriculum, approve teachers, and plan a fall event. So, uh, and maybe some other things, talk about ministry safe and, and things like that. So, that will be right after the service next Sunday. So, make sure you, you note that. And then the final thing is, this is bad news, all right? Kids are staying in here today um, with us. So, uh, I think this service is going to be perfect for you guys. And I can't wait to share this with you, but um, you're going to be in here today. You're going to have to listen to me. Uh, Ethan, is that all right? You good with that? We'll see, right? All right. <laughs> all right, a lot of things going on. Oh, fourth thing not in the bulletin. Lanny, would you stand up? Yeah. So, um, Lanny, one of, the, one of the big things that I wanted our church to do, too, is to minister to people who are struggling with addiction. So Lanny is starting that group, an AA group, with an open discussion on Mondays at 9 a.m. Yes. here at the church. All right? Yep, and uh, yeah, if, anybody, if you know anybody dealing with uh, alcohol or drug addiction, it, it'll just be a fantastic way to uh, give them a way out of their addiction. Amen. Because you know, one thing is, we can't do it on our own. We have to, we have to ask. God can help us, but God can also help through other people that are willing to be spiritually fit. And AA has brought me closer to God. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, AA has brought me closer to God than church because AA is every day. It teaches me to live spiritually every day and draw, draw near to God and use him to help me through my addiction, so. Yeah, thanks for putting me down, right? Putting us down, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, all right, no. No, that's awesome. Um, now, we need to partner with Lanny and lift him up in prayer. So if you will commit to praying for this group, would you just raise your hands? I just wanna see who's committed to it. All right, 9 a.m. Mondays, maybe start praying at 8.30, set an alarm. Set an alarm on your phone, just goes off, and you remember, oh, yeah, that's Lanny's group is getting ready to meet. Um, let's be praying for these people. I think you've got two people ready to, to come that are looking at We want to pray this thing grows. This is something our community needs, right? Something our community is desperate for. So I'm excited to, to see this happening, and, and we will be, Lanny, whatever you need, you let us know we're in this with you, all right? All right. All right. Um, can we start off today with a praise? Does anybody have a praise that they want to share? What God's doing in their life, what God's teaching them? Yeah. Mm. Wow. So I 
Praise God. All right. All right. Yeah, D. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, praise God, right? Anybody else, what is God speaking to you? What is God doing in your life? Anybody else? One more person, maybe? Yeah, Joan. I'm just so excited to Oh. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. And praise God you survived two weeks with Jim and Jan, right? All right, would you stand with me? Let's pray. I am hoping that today is a day that God's Spirit moves inside of us and we are able to worship Him as He deserves. He's worthy, isn't He? He's worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come here. We thank you for the, uh, Joanne being able to come here today and anybody else, Lord. Father, pray that there would be a spirit of welcoming here and that people would know we do care about them. We're glad they're here. Father, let our attention be drawn to you. Father, you, you are the hero of the story and well beyond that father if it's if we only had the cross lord you'd be worthy of all our praise and honor lord let us give that to you as we're singing 
Let, us, let our attention be drawn to you, Father. We give you all praise. We thank you for your willingness to die on a cross, to pay the debt for our sins. Lord, be praised. Lord, I pray that you would be blessed by our, by our singing, by our giving, Lord, by our attention, by our focus, Lord. Holy Spirit, you have right of way. Do as you will. Lead us, Lord. Lead us to reach this community. Lead us in our endeavors. Father, be with this new class starting up, this new group. Father, I pray that you would bless it. Lord, I pray that people would be set free from their addictions. Lord, I pray that you would, you would give us um, that favor with the community, that they would come out, Lord, and be a part of that, and be a part of your church. Lord, we pray for every other church, that you would bless them, every other church that proclaims you as Lord. We pray that you would light them on fire and send them out, not, to the, not only to this, just this community, but to the world. Lord, I pray that you would call somebody in this church to the missions field. I pray that you'd call us all to our own missions field at work, Lord, or with our neighbors. Help us to be part of reconciling man with God. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
in Revelation 4 and 5 today, a little bit different. We're also going to be having communion, and I want to do a responsive reading. We, we don't ever do that, but I think it's perfect for what we're going to be talking about today. But Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we are moving out from the normal letter portion, moving into the apocalyptic portion of Revelation today. So hopefully you were here for the introduction to Revelation sermon. If you missed that, it's on our website. You can find a link to that, willardnaz.org there. Remember though, uh, when we move into the apocalyptic portion, instead of that l- typical linear time frame that you normally see where this happens, then that happens, then that happens, then that happens, and, and it kind of builds on it. Instead of that, John is going to be taken to different places in time 
shown different places in, in realities and other realms and, and all over. That's the apocalyptic nature. I also want us to remember that during this time, remember who this is written to. Primarily, it was written to those seven churches, to the people who are facing immense persecution, right? To the people who are being dipped in oil and lit on fire. To the people who are being assaulted by the Roman government. Tremendous persecution, 40 years of horrible things being done to them. Some of them, that's all they know in the church. If you're under 40 years, could you imagine that's all you know living in this time of persecution? The purpose of this book was to give them hope. And it does the same thing for us today, right? Now, John's primary concern is not the how and why. That's what we love as Westerners. We want to always talk about the how and the why. I'm sorry, the how and the when that things are happening. When is Christ coming back? How is it going to happen? John's not as concerned with that as he is with the who and the why. The who and the why. We, we like to argue. We like to debate. We like to have our theories about when Jesus is coming back, and that's, that's all and good, but that's not the main thing. Don't miss the main thing in Revelation. John's not concerned with that. He's more concerned about who it's about and why is he doing what he's doing, talking about God and Jesus, all right? So, Revelation 4, we get the image of the first window. Revelation 4, the first window that John is shown, and the first window is in the throne room of God. And there is nothing but worshiping going on there. That's very important that he would be shown that first. All right? This window is all about worship. Worship is the answer. Worship is the answer. What's the question? Well, it's the answer to the seven churches that we read about, right, and what they were dealing with. How do you quit being lukewarm? How do you take a stand for Christ? How do you get your first love back, right? Worship. It all begins with worship. Worship is to the answer to all the believers facing this persecution problem. Worship, because worship changes our perspective. Worship gives us the big picture of what's going on and shows us the ultimate reality, right? All of us are worshipers. Whether you're a follower of Christ or you're an atheist, we are all worshipers in some way. We all worship someone or something. Worship is the built-in human reflex to put your hope into something or someone, and then the chase after it. It's a simple definition of worship. We do it from the time we're young, right? We cry for something. We want something. We put our hope in that thing. Maybe it's a binky. I don't know what it is. And when we don't get it, we cry, right? But we always chase after it. We always go for it. We're crushed when we don't have it. We're happy. We're content when we do have it, at least for a while. That same cycle, though, continues as we get older. What do you turn to when you need comfort or joy? What do you turn to? Who do you turn to when you need peace? 
Do you, do you drown out the noise? I used to do this by turning on the TV. When the noise got too loud, I would just go to the TV. I would turn to the TV just to take my mind off of everything, and I would try to escape. Do you grab a substance to numb yourself with what you're dealing with? Do you chase after joy by chasing after someone? If I could only have that person in my life, if I could only have that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that husband, that wife in my life, then I would have joy. Then everything would be perfect. Whatever we run to, whatever we turn to, that's typically who or what we worship. What many of us, including myself, has discovered Usually, the hard way is that nothing can truly give us that lasting peace, that lasting joy, that lasting hope, except Christ. Amen? Revelation 4.1 Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, I will show you what must happen after this. All right, window one, John gets invited into heaven through an open door. Right now, think about this. He's going to have to try and describe something that's never been seen before by human eyes, right? How do you describe the indescribable? Have you ever had to do that yourself? Have you ever had to try to describe something to somebody that does not have the same frame of reference that you have? I know we sponsor a kid. One of them is in Kenya. It's quite a different world in Kenya, right? And so when we write this person, we have to be careful about what we talk about because they don't have the same frame of reference that we do. Some things I I could talk about outside of his experience or what he knows, and it just wouldn't make sense to him. So what do we do in those cases, right? What do you do when you try to describe something to a young kid who has an experienced life as you have, or, or the same experiences that you have. Typically, you use a, a metaphor, a simile, right? And you try to compare it to something that they do know about. Well, it's like this, or it's kind of like that. And you'll use something that they know to compare to. Years ago, there was this person who skydived. I don't remember, know if you remember this story, but he, he practically skydived from outer space. His name was Felix Baumgartner, and he was like 24 miles above the earth. And if you saw the pictures of it before he jumped, he's practically in a full space suit, 24 miles up. Well, he, he leaps and he descends back to earth, right? And when he gets down to the ground and safely makes it, there, a lot of reporters are asking him questions. And do you know what they wanted to know more than anything else? What was it like? What was it like? How do you explain what it's like to somebody who's never experienced that before. Well, Felix used the simile, and he said, it's kind of like swimming without water. Kind of like swimming without water. Well, we know what it's like to swim, not swim without water, but we can kind of get an idea at least of what it was like. That's the best that John can do for us, though today as we go through this, as we read through through this. Remember that when we're we're looking at Revelation, all right? All right, 
And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. There's an early example that we just read, right? What does a trumpet blast sound like? It's loud. It's clear. That's how this voice sounded. So as you're reading through this, don't just read through it fast. Take the time to imagine what's being said and try to understand it, all right? Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw the throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. What's the first thing that John notices? The throne, right? And someone sitting on it. This is huge. This is the throne in heaven, right? And God is sitting on it. That's not the only thing he sees, though. I'm just going to read the rest of this chapter starting at verse 3, and I just want you to picture it as best you can. So you don't have to read along with me. Would you just close your eyes and just kind of picture what's being read, all right? The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, orange, yellow, red colors, maybe, the, maybe like fire, I don't know. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and the twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. Can you picture that glowing throne Can you picture the lightning flashing out of it? Have you ever been in the dark and the lightning just flashes and then you hear the thunder and it rumbles in your chest? Picture that. Imagine feeling that thunder when it booms. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the thrones were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Amen? Amen. So this is John trying to describe what he witnesses. He says, in front of the throne, it's what looks like a sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. What was the sea in ancient days? The sea in ancient days that we're talking about now was a very dangerous and scary place. Have you ever been on the sea? 
when it was stormy? Or have you ever been on the, the shore when it's stormy and you have these waves crashing, these, these giant waves just hitting and peaking? It's uncontrollable, right? It's violent. People go to the sea in this day and age and don't return. There was a natural fear of the sea in this time period. How does John describe it, though? It's like glass, right? It's still. It's calm. It's peaceful. Before the throne of God, the sea is calm. Amen? The sea is peaceful. What's normally thought as uncontrollable is still. People facing immense persecution were given a glimpse of the throne. They were given a glimpse of the sea before the throne, and they saw that it was calm. When you're facing a raging sea in life, and let me tell you, the amount of people this week facing a raging sea in life this week, if that's you, would you just remember this picture? Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's brokenness. Maybe it's despair. Maybe it's anxiety. Will you just picture God on the throne and that sea being calm before the throne? The times in life that we don't feel like worshiping him are exactly the times that we need to worship him Worship him. Remember, he is the one who calms the sea. Worship puts everything in perspective. We already talked about that. Remember this view of heaven because this is the ultimate reality. This is the ultimate reality of life. God is on the throne. There is more than just this life that we have. 60, 80, 100 years, right? There is more to it than this. These people who are dealing with the Roman government, who are being put to death by the Roman government, they saw God on the eternal throne. They were reminded there is more. They were reminded that it wasn't Caesar on that throne, but it was God. And that was their ultimate reality. And that is our ultimate reality. What's the worst that can happen to us? Death is gain. That's what Paul said. Around the throne are these weird creatures. They have different faces, right? Six wings full of eyes. Can I just say that's just gross? Right? That's just weird. Like, why would God create these people that way? I don't know. How do you give somebody like this a hug? (laughs) Without poking them in the eye. (laughs) Not to mention if you're around them, you ever catch somebody staring at you? They're staring at you, right? They'd be always looking around. These four beings we will see throughout Revelation as we go through this. They are a special order of angel, also known as a cherubim or seraphim. We see them mentioned in Ezekiel 1 and Isaiah 6, if you're taking notes. There are many theories about what they represent. I I read them all. I'm sure I read them all. But notice that their primary purpose is to worship God. Let us be reminded that we are not the only ones who worship God, right? 
all of creation, all of heaven worships God. These powerful beings worship God. There is no game of thrones. There is no people vying for the throne. God has no equal. All worship him. We'll see later that they're involved in God's justice. They command the four horsemen to come the four horsemen to come forth. One of them hands the last of the seven plagues of God's wrath to an angel to be distributed. The the real interesting thing that I pointed out though is they're covered with eyes. I imagine since they don't sleep that they're always looking and they see everything. They don't miss a thing. Some believe that they're full of eyes so that they can be a witness to everything that God does. And what do they say after seeing everything that God does? They testify, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. After the four creatures, we see the 24 elders on their throne. And notice their thrones are set up around God's throne in the center. When the four living beings give glory and honor and thanks to God, the 24 elders fall down on their knees, right? And worship Him. The 24 elders are thought to represent the Old and the New Testament the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples in the New Testament. They represent God's activity among man. They represent how God pursued man after we rejected him. We chose to reject him, right? And instead of waiting for us to come back to God, no, he goes after us. And so he created the nation of Israel, right, to point people to him. And then Christ came and repaired the way. And then the church was born. And what is our goal? What is our job? We are called to the reconciliation of man to God. We are called to be part of seeing people come into a relationship with him. So here are these 24 elders situated around the throne and they bow down. And what do they do with their crowns? They throw them down at God's feet. They join in with the heavenly hosts and worship God. This chapter is all about worship. So the question for us today is, who are we worshiping? Who do we worship? Who do we turn to? Who do we chase after? Who do we try to find joy with? Who do we turn to to try and find peace in our chaotic lives? As I said, sometimes it's things. Sometimes it's other people. All too often, though, it's us. We turn to ourselves. We worship ourselves. Instead of honoring God and placing our throne around His, with His in the center, we take that center throne and we push God off to the outside, right? We know what God's Word says, but that doesn't apply to me. Or maybe we'll reinterpret it. Or maybe we'll ignore it. Or maybe we'll replace it. We don't have to honor it. We can decide 
what's right and wrong. We can spend our money the way we want to spend our money. We can set up our kingdom the way we want that kingdom to be set up instead of submitting to his kingdom. When we do that, when we set up our little baby thrones before the king of kings, you know what that is? It's rebellion. It's rebellion against God. I don't, I don't know a good way to illustrate this. I heard another pastor tell this story or tell this idea. Let's say I go home, though, all right, and there's some dude in my home when I get there. What's my response going to be? I'm, I'm going to be like, hey, man, who are you? And maybe he's like, I'm Bob. Okay, Bob, what are you doing here? What if Bob says, well, I just think I could be a better husband than you. I see the way you are with your kids. I think I could do a better job than you. I've just seen how you are, and you're not that good, so I'm here to replace you. That's why I'm here. Guys, I don't know about you, but there's going to be blood, right? Either my blood or his blood. We're getting into it. No way that's going to happen, right? No way somebody's going to come into my house. Ladies, same thing. Can you imagine it? You come home, and there's Gwen. Try to pick a name that I didn't know of anybody named Gwen. Do I know you? She's at your vanity. Maybe she's putting on your stuff, and you're like, oh, no, she isn't, right? <laughs> Gwen, why are you here? Well, I see how you are with your man. I see how you are with your kids, and I know I could do a better job of it. I'm going to be the new mom. I'm going to be the new wife. Is that not going to get violent? Right? No way. Well, when our actions say we can do a better job than you, God, you're wrong. We know better than you. We can interpret what you want better than you. I know how to do this better than you. I know what's better for me. We're in essence setting up our little baby thrones where God's throne should be. Amen. This is what the Bible calls sin. This is what the Bible refers to as rebellion against God. This is what separates us from God. And at one time or another in all of our lives, we all had our baby throne set up in a place where God's throne should be. And it was rebellion. Let's, let's not simply ignore it. Let's not make light of it. It's rebellion against God. The question is, will you lay down your crown at his feet? Will you purpose in your heart to put his throne in the center of your life? Or are you just going to keep doing it with your throne there? I've said this before. We don't add a little Jesus to our lives. That's lukewarmness. That's what God vomits projectile vomits out of his mouth. That's rebellion. No, we center our lives around him, around Jesus. How do we do that? Why do we do that? Why should we lay down our crowns before his feet? Because he's worthy. That's what this is all about. He's worthy, worthy of our worship. All these in heaven recognize that. 
the weird beings that see everything recognize and proclaim that he is worthy. Tim Keller says, biblical worship is this, seeing what God is worth and giving him what he's worth. Seeing what God is worth and giving him what he's worth. That's biblical worship, a a simple definition. I hope that every one of us in here today all look at Jesus and are reminded of his worth. We're going to have communion and we're going to remember what he did for us. How much is Christ worth to you? How much is he worth to you? How accurate is your view of his worth? If you have an accurate view of God's worth, it totally changes your life. It flips it upside down. When we have an accurate view of God's worth, we can't stay lukewarm like we talked about last week. When we have an accurate view of his worth, we can't help but throw our crowns down at his feet. What's he worth? What is his worth? Chapter 5, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes which represent the seven-souled spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. Do we even have to ask, is he worthy? Do we even have to ask that? Yes, he's worthy. Is he worthy isn't the right question. The right question is, do we undervalue his worth? There was a 19-year-old named Dakota Guerin. He was charged with stealing a rare coin collection worth over 100 grand. This was like eight years ago. He had been doing some work for this old lady, and he saw the collection there, and he ended up taking it. And a little bit later, she realized it was missing and reported it. She wasn't sure who stole it. She had had a number of people out working at her house and and people from time to time, so she just didn't know who it was. Dakota got caught because he was spending those coins at face value. He didn't realize what he had. He just saw these coins and took them and started to spend them just as if they were normal coins. He went to the movie theater with his girlfriend, and part of what he paid with included a quarter that was worth $100. Later, he took her out. Oh, it gets better. Later, he took her out for pizza, used another quarter. This quarter was worth 
$1,000. So he got caught because he was spending the money at face value. The news article reported that Garen had been charged with first-degree theft and, the, and he was being held on a $40,000 bond or, or 75 cents, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> My friends, do you realize what you have in Christ? I don't think I do. I know I don't. If I did, I would, I would be willing to sell all that I have and give to the poor. Wouldn't I chase after the things of the world less if I had a, a right view of what Christ was worth? I pray this changes for me. I pray this changes for anyone who's like me here. We treat, we treat prayer like we're doing God a favor. Oh, I prayed. Now give me what I want, right? We give money and we think God owes us a blessing. Well, I'm giving, now bless me. We do things for him, and we get mad when we don't get praised for it. Oh, somebody didn't say thank you. Oh, somebody didn't notice it, and we get all mad. Shouldn't the greatest blessing be just doing it for him? Shouldn't that be more important than being recognized? God, forgive us for not recognizing your worth. Listen to this again. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. No one was worthy. Not me, not you, not those crazy four creatures, not the 24 elders. No one was worthy but one. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the heir to David's throne. He has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and his seven seals. How did he win the victory? John turns and sees. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered but it was now standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the 24 elders. Instead of seeing a powerful lion, he sees a lamb, and not just a normal lamb, a slaughtered lamb. That's how he won the victory. That's the price he paid. That's the price he paid for you. That's the price he paid for me. Somebody say amen. amen. The lion of the tribe of Judah, but also the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Is he worthy? Are you kidding me? He is worthy of everything. Lay down your crowns before him. Make him the center of your life and worship him with every part of your being. What I want to do is just read the rest of this passage together out loud. 
And I want us to join in together with all of creation in worshiping Jesus, the hero of the story. Amen? And then I want to have communion with you because he commands us to do this in remembrance of him. What an honor, right? What a privilege to do that. I want to fully remember the price he paid for us and what he did for us and how much he loves us. I want us to be reminded of his great worth. If you ever have trouble worshiping God, look at the cross, right? Look to the cross. Stand with me. Would you grab your sheets? I'm going to read the first part. If you would join me on the bold and the underlined part, we'll read that together, all right? He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, with incense which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living being and the elders. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, blessings and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. Amen. He is worthy, isn't he? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this body, this church family. Lord, grow us closer together. Light us on fire. Let us live in response to the grace that you've given us. Father, give us, this, give us opportunities this week to share with somebody that doesn't know how much you love them and what you did for them. Give us an opportunity to speak that truth. Lord, forgive us for not giving you your proper due, if that's us. Lord, I know it's me. Lord, we bow down. We worship you, Lord. Be at the center of our lives. Be glorified in all that we do. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.